Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's a massive week in sports. Houston and Philadelphia are at it in the World Series. Tennessee plays Georgia in the college football game of the year. NFL games, basketball, hockey, all of it is going on. And BetOnline has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays for this week. Use the link in this episode to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome everybody, it is November 4th according to my count, it may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Today's show is going to be a deep analysis and following some of the reporting around the lawsuit filed in Texas against Joshua Primo, the former San Antonio Spurs player. Hillary Cawthon, the former clinical psychologist for the San Antonio Spurs, is the victim who is filing the lawsuit against Joshua Primo. Uh, Tony Busby is the lawyer who represented the women in the Deshaun Watson lawsuit. He's representing her. And details that when we first brought up this story on Tuesday, where, where we talked for 15 to 20 minutes about waiting until we had information presented in front of us, to talk about this case and talk about the complicity of the Spurs and whether or not the Spurs did the right thing. Now we have very much more information than we did on Tuesday, and we can give a better analysis about this case. As we do in all of these cases, when we have done our six to 10 podcasts detailing every aspect and development of the Deshaun Watson lawsuit, whether it be the podcast that we did around the LSU University scandals a couple years ago, whether it be the podcasts we've done around San Diego State and Matt Areza and the gang rape case there and San Diego State as a university showing at best gross negligence and at worst covering up sexual assault because of the power and influence of the football team and a future NFL player like Matt Areza. When we've done stories like this where we were talking about sexual crimes, specifically powerful men committing sexual crimes against women. It's very important within the context of sports that we take the Spurs part of this and put it to the side and at the very beginning address the moral and ethical cases around this and the legal aspects before we move into the basketball point. And because this is the first time that we're going to be talking about this case with information that was presented in the 11-page lawsuit, which we'll be reading directly from in this story, or whether it be the press conference by Tony Busby and the prepared statement by Dr. Cawthon, both of which you'll be hearing from at various points during this episode today. 
Um, we're going to focus very heavily on specifically the details that have been brought to light in the lawsuit and information that helps us better understand this case as we move forward and analyze perhaps what the consequences and accountability for such behavior will look like, whether it be from Primo, whether it be from the Spurs organization who have failed this victim, or whether it be the NBA at large or potentially others who stand to face accountability and perhaps change that may come in the future, which at the very end of this show, we will hear from Dr. Cawthon and that prepared statement so that uh, we can hear about a really important message that comes from victims coming forward publicly in situations uh, such as these. So as I mentioned, we are going to hear directly from the press conference today. We're going to read directly from the lawsuit. I also want to give some credit to reporters in the San Antonio area who helped inform this story today and have been following this case, uh, specifically Tom Petrini over at KENS5 in San Antonio. Uh, that's a CBS local news affiliate. His um, his reporting on this has been super helpful in following the case today. Uh, Mike Finger and Tom Osborne over at or Tom Orsborne. I apologize. I, I read it Tom Osborne every time, but Tom Orsborne and Mike Finger over at the San Antonio Express News. Uh, I've been checking out some of their work because I've been researching this San Antonio Spurs documentary for a long time. So shout out to both of them. They, their reporting has been incredibly helpful in putting together this story around Joshua Primo and has been helpful in the five-part San Antonio Spurs documentary that we did over the summer. So let's begin by reading from the deposition and specifically talk about what has been outlined in this case and why this lawsuit is being brought not just into the public sphere, but being brought against Joshua Primo. Again, this is directly from the lawsuit, uh, the 11-page lawsuit that was filed in Bear County, which is the, the main county for San Antonio. Dr. Hillary Cawthon, a licensed credentialed clinical psychologist, lost her dream job because the Spurs organization ignored her repeated reports of indecent exposure on the part of defendant Joshua Primo. Because it has now been reported that at least two other incidents of exposure have occurred involving Primo, one apparently in Nevada and one in Minnesota, Primo was recently released from the team. Yet Dr. Cawthon made her first report about Primo's conduct to Spurs management in January 2022. Rather than act on Dr. Cawthon's report, the Spurs ignored her complaints, hoping the organization could ignore and then cover up Primo's actions. The Spurs organization was willing to sacrifice Dr. Cawthon to keep what they hoped would one day be a star player. Once Primo's conduct entered the public sphere, the Spurs were forced to act and release Primo. The Spurs' recent action with regard to Primo are too little, too late. The Spurs' public statement about Primo departs, de, Primo's departure is a complete farce. The Spurs' conduct... The Spurs' conduct sends a strong message that they, like other major sports organizations, are willing to tolerate abhorrent conduct on the part of athletes and sacrifice employees so long as the athlete is successful on the court. Dr. Cawthon files this case, files this case advancing the opposite message. Basic human decency and doing the right thing is more important than successfully throwing a ball through a hoop. Primo's conduct was obviously disturbing, wrong, and actionable. The Spurs' conduct in the way its people handled the matter is egregious, alarming, and damning. 
Defendant Joshua Primo is a Canadian professional basketball... <laughs> this is copied directly from uh, Wikipedia, by the way, just as a quick side note. Defendant Joshua Primo is a Canadian professional basketball player who was selected with the 12th pick in the 2011 National Basketball Association draft by the San Antonio Spurs. He was later selected in the 2021 NBA Summer League roster of the Spurs. On August 11th, 2021, the Spurs announced they had signed Primo. At 19 years old, Primo is currently the youngest player in the NBA. Dr. Hillary Cawthon is an extremely successful and highly credentialed licensed clinical sports psychologist who contracted with the Spurs organization in September 2021 to provide services to the organization. Primo repeatedly exposed his genitals, nine times in total, to Dr. Cawthon during individual private sessions, despite her numerous complaints about Primo's improper sexual conduct to the organization's leadership. Without disclosing any communications with defendant Primo or any other athlete within the Spurs organization, generally plaintiff is a, perform is a performance psychologist whose duties were to develop integrated mental performance models and wellness programs and resources for players, staff, and their families. Dr. Cawthon began working with Joshua Primo individually after he joined the team in August 2021. The sessions typically took place in private medical training rooms at the AT&T Center in San Antonio, as well as various sports arenas during away games, as part of Primo's standard pregame routine. Primo first exposed his genitals to Dr. Cawthon during an individual private session in December 2021. Unfortunately, despite Dr. Cawthon's reports, such exposures happened on numerous occasions and grew progressively more extreme. Primo's behavior went unchecked by the organization's leadership for many months, even after it was reported by Dr. Cawthon. So I want to take a quick pause right now to bring together what we have talked about so far. So Joshua Primo is the 2021 lottery pick for the Spurs. Dr. Cawthon began working in the Spurs organization in April of 2021. Four months into the job in August 2021 was when she began working with Primo once he got into the Spurs organization. Four months later, in December of 2021, was the first time that the lawsuit details Joshua Primo exposed his penis to Dr. Cawthon in a meeting between the two parties, and uh, if the, the clip from Tony Busby specifies to say late December of 2021 uh, when he's speaking at the press conference today. So sometime in late December of 2021, four months after beginning to work with Primo and eight months after joining the Spurs organization, Joshua Primo exposes his penis to Dr. Cawthon for the first time unwantedly in a work setting at presumably the San Antonio Spurs organization, although, I'm sorry, the San Antonio Spurs facility. It says in the, the beginning of the deposition that most of these occurred at the Spurs facility or on the road at another team's arena because that just happened to be the stadium the Spurs were playing in. Now we are returning to the lawsuit after the first incident of indecent exposure in the workplace from Joshua Primo. As a result of Primo's steadily escalating conduct, Dr. Cawthon requested a meeting with General Manager Brian Wright in January 2022. Dr. Cawthon made clear the purpose of the meeting. The meeting, when finally scheduled, was postponed multiple times. It was clear that Wright was avoiding the meeting or that the issue to, issues to be discussed were not important to him. Dr. Cawthon was finally able to meet with General Manager Wright on March 
2022. In that meeting, she voiced her concerns about Defendant Primo's conduct, again, without disclosing any communications in her sessions or any other information other than offensive conduct. Dr. Cawthon expressed to Wright that she was uncomfortable meeting with Primo alone and that she expressed feelings of confusion, embarrassment, and fear. General Manager Wright promised to develop a plan with regard to Primo for the remainder of the season and said he would explore how to navigate the situation in general. The two also discussed the possibility of meeting with Primo and his agent to discuss the concerning conduct. And so I'm going to pause right here after we have the first incident being reported to the San Antonio Spurs almost immediately after it occurs, and we have Brian Wright, the general manager of the Spurs, and as Tony Busby is going to also detail later, the general counsel for the Spurs, the deputy general counsel for the Spurs, and the Spurs HR staff, they were also informed of this in between January of 2022 and March of 2022. So here's Tony Busby during the press conference today talking about when Dr. Cawthon brings these concerns to the Spurs front office in January of 2022 and the period between when they get a meeting with Brian Wright in March of 2022. Uh, this is courtesy of KENS5 CBS in San Antonio. She did not want to lose this job. Uh, she was hoping that this conduct was somehow outside of the norm of Mr. Primo. She was hoping it was a one-time thing, if you will. But unfortunately, the conduct continued to occur and, in fact, escalated. Uh, she ultimately, without going into the details, and there's a lot of detail in the petition that was filed this morning in Bear County, uh, but without going into it here, uh, ultimately, she found ways to not have sessions with Mr. Primo and to avoid him. What I want to focus on this morning is the way in which the Spurs organization responded to her reports. As I've already said, the general manager did his best uh, to avoid a meeting with her, but when he did have a meeting with her, he assured her that there would be an investigation, that there would be a written report. He called it a write-up. He assured her that Primo would be, uh, the issue would be addressed with him, uh, that he would be counseled, the conduct specifically would be addressed, and that there would be consequences. None of that occurred. Um, in fact, his conduct wasn't restricted in any way. Instead, what happened was Dr. Cawthon's activities were restricted. At one point, she was told, you can just work from home. Uh, at another point, she was told, you don't need to come to the facilities anymore. Uh, just work from home. And it's okay if you don't come to the facilities. Um, in multiple meetings with the assistant general counsel and the head of human resources for the Spurs organization, at one point they told her, which is ridiculous on its face, but they told her they wanted to do what they called a facilitated discussion with Dr. Coffin and Joshua Primo so they could figure out what it was that was compelling him to expose himself to her. They told her that they intended to make changes, repeated. Almost every meeting they told her that there's going to be something done. Nothing was done, of course. Again, that is Tony Busby, audio courtesy of KENS5CBS in San Antonio, picking up from the lawsuit March of 2021. Despite Dr. Cawthon's report, nothing was done about Primo's behavior. Instead, Dr. Cawthon was called upon to meet with Primo again. 
This time, Dr. Cawthon met with Primo in a public setting. But unfortunately, this was no deterrent. Primo again exposed his penis. Dr. Cawthon ended the session early. Defendant Primo requested at least one other session with Dr. Cawthon. She found a way to avoid the session. After nothing was done to address the problem as promised, Dr. Cawthon returned to work during the postseason on April 13, 2022, in preparation for next season and draft. The same month, Dr. Cawthon met with General Manager Brian Wright again. Dr. Cawthon expressed her frustration and concern with General Manager Wright that no action was taken since their last conversation on March 21st. Rather than take immediate and long past due action, Mr. Wright instead asked Dr. Cawthon what consequence she wanted to occur. Dr. Cawthon felt she was not the proper person to decide a course of action. Rather, it was the responsibility of the team to address the situation and come up with proper protocol. Wright concluded the meeting by letting her know that the organization's legal team would be in contact with her. Therefore, thereafter, in May 2022, Dr. Cawthon met multiple times with various lawyers from the Spurs organization, including its deputy general counsel, as well as chief legal officer and general counsel. After Dr. Cawthon relayed what she had experienced, they promised that an investigation would occur. Dr. Cawthon was also instructed to avoid contact with Primo, both at the Spurs facility and otherwise. Dr. Cawthon was later informed the team was preparing a write-up. A week or more later, Dr. Cawthon requested an update on the status of the investigation and a copy of the mentioned write-up. She also inquired about the status of Primo and whether he'd be participating in team activities. Later that day, Dr. Cawthon met with Deputy General Counsel Brandon James and Head of Human Resources Kara Allen. They informed Dr. Cawthon that despite her complaints, Primo would continue to participate in team activities. They also told her she should not feel uncomfortable because she had seen him repeatedly in the past. Rather than protect Dr. Cawthon and take immediate steps to prevent any further interaction with Primo or to discipline his behavior, the Spurs instead suggested Dr. Cawthon work from home, if that would make her more comfortable. They also told her they would understand if she decided not to come to the Spurs facility. Dr. Cawthon expressed dissatisfaction with the team's failure to act. At that point, it was clear to Dr. Cawthon the Spurs organization was indirectly punishing Dr. Cawthon rather than Primo, despite his acts of repeated sexual misconduct. The next month, Dr. Cawthon met with James and Allen again. In this meeting, they disclosed that they had spoken with Primo. As a result of that discussion, James and Allen thought it would be productive for Dr. Cawthon to have what they called a facilitated conversation with Primo to address his behavior, because they felt this might shed some light on the reasoning behind his repeated exposing himself to her. Dr. Cawthon refused. This is, uh, again, articulated by Tony Busby a second ago in the press conference that we played uh, a couple minutes ago. I want to take a pause from the deposition real quick, come back here. This is from now March when Brian Wright first meets with Dr. Cawthon and when Joshua Primo and her again meet and Joshua Primo exposes himself once again to Dr. Cawthon. You have the Spurs legal team starting to get involved, and no meaningful consequences were taken against Joshua Primo because the San Antonio Spurs wanted it both ways. The San Antonio Spurs wanted to address her concerns, and the San Antonio Spurs wanted to prioritize Primo engaging in all of the usual basketball activities and workouts and being around the team facility. And 
in this situation, you cannot have it both ways. That is something that is really important to articulate when we're talking about sexual crimes and sexual harassment within a corporate work structure. You cannot have it both ways and you cannot re-victimize the victim again when they bring these concerns to your leadership. And because the Spurs were trying to have it both ways where Primo could still be a part of the team and they could address Dr. Cawthon's concerns, it re-victimized Dr. Cawthon all over again because she has to continue working in this environment where she feels unsafe and where she's afraid that she'll have interactions with Primo that then also affect her ability to work. And as they outlined here, indirectly punish her because Dr. Cawthon is told that she could work from home as a compromise or Dr. Cawthon is told that you just don't have to work with Primo anymore and she has to actively cancel sessions so that she doesn't have to engage with Joshua Primo and that inhibits her ability to do her job and as I mentioned a second ago, re-victimizes her all over again. That The Spurs wanted to have it both ways and in these types of situations where we're talking about sexual assault, sexual harassment, and sexual crimes within the workplace, especially when we're talking about a powerful man against a woman who has less power within the organization because she's not making $4 million and because the organization hasn't invested millions of resources, millions of dollars of resources into this person. You cannot have it both ways in this situation. And this is where we lead into the summer of 2021, which is after months of trying to keep it together and have it both ways, they could not have it both ways. That is short-term fix, short-term fix, short-term fix, but never addressing the problems at large, which is you cannot have it both ways in this situation because that re-victimizes the victim all over again. So now we move into June of 2021 where... Uh, they talk about Dr. Cawthon feeling like she's not getting the proper respect and support of the organization and turning to the person who appears to be the leadership figure of the organization, which is Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is someone who has articulated the strong importance of culture in the past. And again, I'm going to play a clip from Tony Busby here of talking about how Dr. Cawthon felt like the, the bureaucracy of the Spurs organization was kind of just having was kind of re-victimizing her all over again and limiting her ability to work in a safe environment which therefore makes the environment unsafe so again this is courtesy of kens5 in san antonio this is uh, another clip from tony busby and the press conference from thursday uh in one of the meetings uh you know she had uh, great respect for coach popovich uh, I think a lot of people uh, see him as a progressive coach, somebody who speaks out on social issues, somebody who talks about culture. Uh, she insisted that he be aware of what was going on. Uh, she was told uh, that he was aware about what was going on. Now, we can't stand here on the 75th floor of Chase and tell you that that, that was the truth. Uh, we don't know at that point in time, and I'm talking about in June when they told her that, um, June of this year, they told her Coach Pop is aware. Coach Pop knows. Uh, I think we, we may have concluded here that at that point in time, she was being lied to. Again, that is courtesy of KENS5CBS in San Antonio. That's Tony Busby's press conference from Thursday. 
returning to the deposition and speaking on what Busby was talking about with Popovich and the leadership of the Spurs, uh, a week later, the group met again. Again, this is the group that includes the deputy general counsel, the HR head, and uh, Dr. Cawthon. In that meeting, James and Allen told Dr. Cawthon that in response to her suggestions and complaints, they were considering putting into place a corrective process for the timely reporting of incidents. They also informed Dr. Cawthon that Coach Greg Popovich was aware of her complaints and accusations that he, quote, wanted to do right by her. Again, Busby mentioned that that they may be lied to in that case, and they have a reason to believe that they were being lied to about that because of Greg Popovich's conduct and the way he spoke about Primo and the way he uh, behaved around this case prior to this past week, which we'll get to that uh, later on in this in this timeline. The pair also asked Dr. Cawthon, as they had in the past, whether she had legal counsel. Dr. Cawthon was then advised to refrain from having any communication with Primo until further notice. By June 2022, it was apparent to Dr. Cawthon there would be no accountability on behalf of the player or the organization. To make matters worse, on June 16th, Dr. Cawthon attended a, quote, respect in the workplace training for all Spurs staff. The training seminar began with a lecture lauding the Spurs culture. They stated proposing the stated purpose of conducting the class was to remain better. Staff members joked throughout the seminar about topics discussed and clearly did not take matters seriously. In response to some of the laughing reactions of the audience to important issues, Dr. Cawthon had to take a walk outside to gather herself as she began to experience anxiety and feelings of hopelessness throughout. In July, Dr. Cawthon met one more time with the Spurs legal team. She told them again she was frustrated by the team's inaction. She made clear she wanted changes and consequences. They in turn informed her she would not be attending the 2022 Summer League season, which was to take place July 7th through 17th in Las Vegas. They told her that they now felt she was unable to do her job in a professional manner due to what was now a lack of trust between her and the team. They thus suggested she sit out. Again, they asked Dr. Cawthon whether she had retained legal representation and requested that she inform them immediately when she had done so. Dr. Cawthon's contract came up for renewal in August 31st, 2022. It was not renewed by the Spurs. And there are more details outside of the lawsuit that add to this story. So again, from... June of 2022 to August of 2022, the Spurs organization had reached a point where they had decided they would rather just let her go than try and resolve this situation. And at that point, it goes from trying to have it both ways between Primo and her and trying to have the victim and the accused work through this and and have Primo still be part of the basketball team and part of activities and have her continue working as if nothing is happening, which again, as we talked about a second ago, re-victimizes the victim again because this was an untenable situation from the beginning. When we are talking about sexual crimes and sexual harassment within the confines of a corporate work structure, there is no middle ground and having it both ways because that in turn re-victimizes the victim if you don't create any meaningful accountability. And as we saw in this case, the ultimate way that that untenable situation was in the San Antonio Spurs mind, air quotes, resolved, 
And again, I'm doing big air quotes on that one. The way it was resolved was for the San Antonio Spurs to just let her leave the organization. And that was the end of that story. After nine reported incidents of indecent exposure, Joshua Primo does not face accountability from the Spurs, and the option is for her to leave because she cannot do her job, and as was articulated to her, there was now a lack of trust between the organization's players and her, which is an incredibly disrespectful thing to say to someone who is a victim of sexual harassment and sexual, I mean, in in a way, what would be described as nonviolent sexual assault according to Judge Sue L. Robinson in the Deshaun Watson case. When we're talking about nonviolent sexual assaults, again, the words of Judge Sue L. Robinson and sexual harassment within the workplace, it's an incredibly disrespectful thing to say to someone that now their trust has been lost with the organization. Outside of the, the lawsuit specifically filed, we also know now as a result of reports that have come out in the time since that in addition to the nine nine separate incidences as detailed in the lawsuit in which Joshua Primo is detailed to have indecently exposed himself to Dr. Cawthon. We also know that during Summer League 2022, while Dr. Cawthon was being told to remain at home, it has been detailed in reports that Joshua Primo exposed himself to another person in Nevada, uh, uh, presumably in Nevada, during the Las Vegas Summer League. Uh, Unwanted exposure to a team employee of the Spurs during that Summer League. And now uh, Dr. Cawthon at some point reached out to Tony Busby to seek legal action against the Spurs and against Primo. And then in October of 2022, so this was just last month, uh, the, on October 24th, to be more specific, on October 24th, which was uh, the Monday before last week, on Monday the 24th, the San Antonio Spurs played against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and sometime during the Spurs trip to Minnesota, presumably on that date of October 24th, but sometime in Minnesota, Joshua Primo exposed himself to a third member of the San Antonio Spurs organization and that was the case that then brought all of the details of Dr. Cawthon and the incident in Nevada and then another incident of indecent exposure was brought for was all brought into light and three days later Joshua Primo was waived by the San Antonio Spurs and the San Antonio Spurs removed all of their merchandise of Joshua Primo, his jersey, etc. from their team website. So it took until that incident for the San Antonio Spurs to have Josh Primo go. And again, we don't have the information about what went into that decision. Was it the third time that a situation like this happened and the Spurs did the right thing? Was Greg Popovich the one who was informed about that situation? Or was R.C. Buford informed about that situation? Was Brian Wright ultimately the person who made the call on some of this? Was that the time when Popovich was made aware of everything that happened? We don't have the information on this story because we don't have the information about what went into the incident on October 24th. Perhaps with time we will be able to know that information, we just don't have it right now. So it was a third team employee, and from what we know right now, the 11th 
detailed incident of Joshua Primo exposing himself, committing, as again, Suelle Robinson would describe it, nonviolent sexual assault, and Josh Primo committing sexual harassment of team employees with the Spurs. On the 11th such incidents with the third different woman was when the San Antonio Spurs took immediate action to waive Joshua Primo. And then we now know the information about the lawsuit detailed by Dr. Cawthon. And again, this is the only the information that we know at this point. This is information that is now available via the lawsuit and information from the deposition. Uh, reporting that's gone into this no, uh, helps us know about what happened in Nevada and what's detailed to have happened in Minnesota. And these cases will proceed as such after the fact. So those are the details and the information that we have available about Dr. Cawthon and the the nine incidents of indecent exposure that have been detailed in the lawsuit. Uh, we know about, because of reporting, the uh, detailed incidents in Summer League in July and the incident a couple weeks ago that ultimately led to the Spurs deciding to waive Joshua Primo. What I want to talk about very briefly is some of the legal aspects of this case, and we'll follow up with this story as more details come to light, and perhaps similar to what we talked about with Deshaun Watson and Matt Areza and LSU, we'll have more legal details here as we go along. But specifically, I want to talk about uh, what is being detailed in terms of negligence and gross negligence on uh, Joshua Primo and the San Antonio Spurs uh, as the lawsuit details acting as principal agent of Joshua Primo. I just want to detail some of the things here that they discuss. Uh, This is directly from the lawsuit that was filed today. Plaintiff firmly believes that and has pled that Primo's conduct as determined was intentional. Plaintiff alleges Primo's conduct while employed by the Spurs and during the course and scope of the employment was unreasonable and thus negligent and grossly negligent. Primo individually and as an agent of the Spurs owes plaintiff the duty of reasonable care. Primo breached that duty in at least the following ways. Scheduling appointments to be alone with plaintiff knowing of his sexual proclivities. Failing to warn plaintiff of his proclivities and past conduct. Exposing himself to plaintiff. Failing to obtain plaintiff's actual consent before attempting to engage in sexual misconduct. Engaging in sexual misconduct even though plaintiff did not consent. And failing to take affirmative steps during the appointments to control his unusual sexual proclivities. In addition to being vicariously liable for Primo's conduct, the Spurs are liable for their own actions and inactions. Defendant has a duty to plaintiff and breached that duty. The negligence of the defendant was a proximate cause of plaintiff's injuries and damage. Defendant breached the duty of reasonable case in one or more of the following ways. This is related to the Spurs. Failing to prevent Primo from harassing plaintiff. Negligently hiring, supervising, and retaining Primo. Negligently controlling Primo. Failing to properly supervise and control Primo. Failing to create or enforce policies to prevent misconduct. Failing to take precautions prior to the appointments to prevent a reoccurrence of Primo's known prior conduct. Failing to warn plaintiff of Primo's proclivities and his past conduct. Failing to take affirmative steps during appointments to control his unusual sexual proclivities, providing Primo a safe haven so he could continue his conduct, providing Primo a a room where he engaged in illicit behavior, failing to investigate 
Primo's unusual behavior, turning a blind eye to indications Primo was seeking sex rather than legitimate therapy, failing to investigate complaints relating to Primo, and creating an atmosphere where it was acceptable for Primo to seek sexual conduct with staff. Each of these acts and omissions, singularly or in combination with others, constitute negligence, which was the proximate cause of this incident and the injuries and damages sustained by plaintiff. Plaintiff will further show that the actions and or omissions of defendants as described above, when viewed objectively from their standpoint, involve an extreme degree of risk, considering the probability and magnitude of the potential harm to others. Defendants had actual subjective awareness of the risk involved, the Spurs being defendants, but nevertheless proceeded in conscious indifference to the rights, safety, and or welfare of others, including the plaintiff. As such, these actions and omissions constitute gross negligence and malice, and those terms are understood by law. Now, we've discussed the details and information of this case and the moral and ethical concerns when we're talking about sexual harassment and sexual assault within the workplace, or sexual misconduct, as sometimes is detailed within the lawsuit, the legal term of sexual misconduct. When we're talking about sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, and sexual assault within the confines of the workspace, you cannot have it both ways and, and turn a blind eye and try and make that situation such because it re-victimizes the victim in this case being Dr. Cawthon over again when you don't take action to protect her and create a culture that does not tolerate such behavior and especially becomes problematic when we're talking about a person who is in uh, who the Spurs have invested millions of dollars in resources in and is a powerful man within that organization relative to the position of Dr. Cawthon. So we've talked about that. We've talked about the legal aspect. Now let's bring the basketball aspect into this story. Because as we always talk about, the basketball is the reason why these stories have a platform because Joshua Primo is a famous draft pick, relatively speaking. Joshua Primo is a famous person. This is why this case has a national story. When you have cases of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, and sexual assault within workplaces every day that go underreported, and victims don't have the courage to come forward in these situations because it's not going to receive the same level of media coverage as this story will and will not give the same sort of support to victims on a national level or even on a local level that a story like this with a famous person will have. And the reason we are talking about this is because it's more important on a micro level and the individual cases with which we can empathize with and focus on reforming outside of the sports world, specifically as it relates to the sports world. But we can also extend this beyond because there are so many lessons to learn from this that because, again, this happens in far too many workplaces and doesn't have the same amount of press availability as a famous basketball player. So as we bring it back to the basketball part, which is far less important than the other stuff that we have talked about over the first 38 minutes of this podcast. As it relates to the basketball side of this case, this is going to be information and a case that warrants accountability from the people in power for the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, it warrants accountability for Joshua Primo. And I should mention, in the spirit of journalistic fairness, there is a statement from Joshua Primo 
We're not going to read it on here because there are a lot of misrepresentations within the statement, and I don't want to give that equal weight to the story itself. It's available on Twitter. It's available on the internet. You can find Primo's statement probably weighted not equally to what it's worth, but again, it exists. I will point out that it exists. As it relates to the San Antonio Spurs, the details that we know about today, which is just the case of Dr. Cawthon and what is alleged to have occurred over the summer, one time in the Las Vegas Summer League, and an 11th incident with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, or I'm sorry, in Minnesota, playing the Timberwolves, but in Minnesota two weeks ago that ultimately led to Primo being waived by the team, that information being available and that information being presented in the lawsuit warrants a situation where accountability needs to be had by people within leadership positions in San Antonio because it is their responsibility to protect employees within that organization. And from what this lawsuit describes, it would appear that the leadership figure accountable in this situation, in addition to Primo, is Brian Wright, the general manager of the San Antonio Spurs. That Brian Wright is the person who appears to be directly responsible in this situation and the person who is directly engaging in this specific instance. Perhaps that also lands on R.C. Buford, the former general manager, now CEO of the San Antonio Spurs, and him being the boss of, in essence, being the boss of Brian Wright. Perhaps it falls onto him as well. And R.C. Buford is an incredibly powerful person within the San Antonio Spurs organization. And so what we are looking at is a situation where because he's the boss of the person who is directly employing this person and directly interacting in this situation, perhaps R.C. Buford is not held accountable to the same extent that we're talking about with Brian Wright because the circumstance with Brian Wright is this is a situation where he might be removed from leadership of the San Antonio Spurs. And I also recognize that there is a... Because he is the person responsible directly in this case, and because he's mentioned specifically in this lawsuit, he's an easy person to turn to in terms of a leadership breach. There's also a lot of other factors at play, and it's the reason that I'm not specifically saying Brian Wright should lose his job. I am not saying that specifically right now because he is the person who directly interacted with this situation, and the conduct of the organization on behalf of him as a leader is absolutely egregious and demands accountability. Additionally, I recognize that there are factors at play here beyond specifically Brian Wright, because if you know the dynamic of the San Antonio Spurs organization, the San Antonio Spurs chief basketball decision maker is Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich from 1995 to 2022 has been the chief basketball decision maker for the Spurs. R.C. Buford was a former assistant coach with the Spurs, promoted to general manager in 2002. Him and Popovich worked together on basketball personnel decisions, and they constitute the leadership on the basketball side of the San Antonio Spurs. In 2019, R.C. Buford uh, leaves the basketball operations side and becomes the CEO of the San Antonio Spurs. So now he's running the business operations of the Spurs, and part of that is that he is the boss of Brian Wright, in essence. Like, there's there's a certain leadership difference there. So recognize that 
RC Buford and Greg Popovich are the are the people who have come to embody Spurs culture and doing the right thing and all of the no-nonsense type of behavior that comes to be associated with the San Antonio Spurs over two decades of being what most people regard as the most well-run organization in basketball. Brian Wright is not only the, the quote-unquote outsider, he's the person who just got there in 2019, but additionally, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford are people in positions of power who are white, and Brian Wright is a person in a position of power below those two who happens to be black. And if you understand the racial connotations of scapegoating and the racial connotations of him being the fall person for these white people in positions of power, I understand that part as well. And that's why I'm not going to be the first person who goes to Brian Wright should lose his job, because this also goes to accountability above him in the case of R.C. Buford. He's the person who operated on the day-to-day aspect, and perhaps that means some measure of accountability within the organization for those people in leadership. But this is not a Brian Wright-specific issue from the details that are pointed out in this case. From the details that we have here, this is not specifically a Brian Wright problem when we're talking about leadership of the San Antonio Spurs. And understanding that because he's the new person... And because he is also a black man in a position of power, below R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich, who presumably hired him as the general manager of the Spurs, because of that situation, I don't want to rush to say that this person should be fired immediately because accountability in this situation falls on him and R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich. If the organization did not tell Greg Popovich about this, then that's a, fault, that's a failure on the bureaucracy of the organization and deeming that he who is the leader of the organization, and I don't know where Greg Popovich stands at this point with the Spurs, knowing that he's on his way out the door in the next few years, knowing that he's in his 70s, and knowing that he's working to relinquish, oh, excuse me, working to relinquish power within the organization. What we're looking at here is a situation where Brian Wright should not be the person immediately scapegoated for the situation. And at the same time, someone should be held accountable. Ultimately, that might lead to Brian Wright being the person who gets fired because he's the person who's directly responsible for dealing, for being a leader and doing the right thing within this context. It also goes beyond the level of bureaucracy within the San Antonio Spurs. And R.C. Buford ended up releasing a statement for the San, on behalf of the organization. It was not Brian Wright. It was not Greg Popovich. It was R.C. Buford who was the one who ended up releasing the statement on behalf of the San Antonio Spurs. And the statement that he ended up releasing was as such, which is, quote, We disagree with the accuracy of facts, details, and timeline presented today. While we would like to share more information, we will allow the legal process to play out. Our organization remains committed to upholding the highest standards and will continue to live by our values and culture. And so what I walk away from this situation feeling is that the San Antonio Spurs need to hold someone accountable in this situation because this is a major breach of leadership. This is a situation that goes against the idea of being a someone doing the right thing and leading an organization to a safe and productive workplace. Someone absolutely needs to be held accountable by this, and the detailed information today leads that to being Brian Wright. I would like to wait 
and see how this situation continues and as more information becomes available before making some sort of judgment. And again, I want to articulate this on the front end as I talk about this. While I believe this to be the case, I do not have the information. I believe that accountability should be had at the highest levels of the Spurs organization for this conduct taking place. And also, I am not the person to make that decision. I am not the person to make that decision about what the San Antonio Spurs do to restructure that organization. They will place their moral and ethical lines in different places. And by the way, other organizations, they will just let that type of behavior slide. And trust, we've just seen this with the Washington racial slurs and everything that's happened with that franchise. We've seen it with the Dallas Cowboys. We've seen it with the Dallas Mavericks. We've seen it with the Phoenix Suns and Robert Sarver. Organizations will let worse behavior slide because that's the culture that they want to create. Again, culture. There's a great quote. John Amici is is the person who I heard it from, but I don't know where it comes from originally. But culture is the worst behavior that is tolerated within an organization. And if the Spurs are the team who talks about culture and the Spurs are the organization that puts their money where their mouth is when they talk about culture across 20 plus years, if the Spurs are that organization and that team, then they are ones who will hold to a moral and ethical standard above what they can get away with, even though they're the team that also ended up hearing this situation and decided we're going to prioritize Primo instead of prioritizing the well-being of Dr. Cawthon. And ultimately, we're just going to try and play both sides for months. And ultimately, the resolution is Dr. Cawthon is going to go away because it's not worth it to us to try and make this right. But that goes against the strong organizational culture, and perhaps they're playing damage control now. And again, I am not the person to make that call at the at the top of the Spurs organization. I just want to point out the problems with talking about Brian Wright being fired within this context. When we're talking about someone who is a black man in a position of power and someone who is new to the organization within the last three years, it's the easiest thing in the world to say that person should be fired because he is directly responsible and he is absolutely accountable on some level based on the information provided by the lawsuit today. It will take more information and more time to make definitive conclusions about how to restructure the Spurs organization, or not restructure, but how to hold people accountable within the Spurs organization in leadership And I'm not the person who can make that call because I don't have enough information to make that assessment. I just want to point out many of the power dynamics that are at play here in San Antonio, the racial connotations associated with this case, and the gender problems associated with having this lawsuit come to light and then the immediate uh, backlash being towards... I mean, first of all, the woman in this context, I mean, there's still, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of it in this case of victim blaming as related to this situation. I haven't personally seen a lot of it around this case. The most important thing is to protect the victim in this situation. And the San Antonio Spurs have already failed on a certain level as it relates to that situation. So I am not the person to make a decision about what accountability looks like or what the moral and ethically correct thing to do is. What's important is that it help, it helps protect victims in the future. And that's where I want to conclude the podcast today is by playing the clip from Dr. Cawthon during the press conference today. On Again, the sound is courtesy of KENS5CBS in San Antonio. Uh, the clip of Dr. Cawthon talking about why 
she wanted change within the Spurs organization and still hopes that people like her, like the victim of the detailed incident in Las Vegas in July and the person who Joshua Primo exposed himself to in Minnesota a couple weeks ago, which led to his cutting by the Spurs. Ultimately, change and restructuring and protecting victims in the future is the message that Dr. Cawthon, as so many victims who come forward in these public lawsuits and in these public cases have articulated, whether we talk about it with Deshaun Watson or Matt Areza, talking about accountability and change is ultimately a big reason for bringing these lawsuits forward. So again, this is Dr. Hillary Cawthon's prepared statement today, and I believe it's the best way to get the last word on this show. Now, it's a great honor for me to introduce to you Dr. Hillary Coffin. She has a statement she would like to make. I will come back after she's made her statement uh, with some closing remarks and then we'll take a few questions. Doctor? I have an obligation under Texas state law and HIPAA, which I take very seriously and I will not violate. I am disheartened to be standing here sharing the events of my story, but I'm also very humbled and honored to have the place to share words that others may have not been able to. I'm a clinical sports psychologist. I'm a mother of four wonderful daughters. I'm a woman and I am a victim. I am many things, but I'm not alone in the fight to do the right thing. The right thing is saying no, this is not okay. To hold people accountable, to make systemic change and to protect those that suffer in silence. The right thing is also to say, I'm sorry. I have failed you and we need to do better. My passion is to help others learn how to thrive in their world and to help organizations develop a culture of care. The organization I worked for has failed me. And in turn, I felt I failed those around me when I wanted to make change. I spoke up, I asked for help, I gave options. My voice and my feelings, my actionable items were silenced. Due to their inaction and protection of their assets, other individuals were impacted. And for that, I am truly sorry. I ask for everyone listening to do not jump to harsh criticism or conclusions. This is a sensitive matter. And these are humans who are impacted. We cannot assume, but we can take action. It took the Spurs 10 months to do the right thing. That's too long. My hope is that all who hear can learn from this. I hope through this, I can be an agent for change. It's never too late for us to change and to be better. 